Hello and welcome to the Meet the Masters podcast presented by Scale Up Milwaukee. Meet the Masters is an interview series that highlights entrepreneurs, business owners, and CEOs and their successful expansions and stories of growth. This series is presented by Scale Up Milwaukee, an initiative of the Greater Milwaukee Committee whose focus is on transforming the culture of growth in the region. Scale Up does this by hosting impactful events and business accelerators designed to infuse growth into every corner and help spread inclusive economic prosperity. You can find out more about Scale Up at scaleupmilwaukee.org. This episode features an interview with Craig Culver, co-founder of Culver's Franchise System, Inc. This interview originally took place on June 20th, 2017. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. Welcome and welcome back to another Scale Up Milwaukee event. Today we're doing Meet the Masters with Craig Culver. So I'm happy to introduce you to Craig Culver, co-founder of Culver's uh, Franchising System, Inc. That's right. Yes. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Morning. So I got to tell you, like I told you earlier, I I actually moved here from New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not know about Culver's. I was a devout consumer of In-N-Out and of Shake Shack. I had been to, you know, eat burgers on both coasts. And I move here, and I keep seeing these these blue-roofed restaurants all Mm -hmm. over the place. And finally, I went in, and I I had this butter burger. And like that guy said, oh my god. There was no, for me, there's there's no more Shake Shack. There's Culver's. So after seeing that, what do you I think? I like you a lot. Yeah, right? <laughs> Good. Flattery will get you everywhere. So you, you see that. You see them saying, oh, this, you know, this place goes head to head with restaurants that are, that are younger, that are actually smaller, that are uh, nowhere near the level of customer service that you offer. What, what's your thoughts? Mm. Well, first of all, uh, In-N-Out um, and Shake Shack as well, uh, I have great respect for those companies. Uh, Another one I have great respect for, even though they don't sell burgers, is uh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, they're a family-owned business, like In-N-Out is a family-owned business. We're a family-owned business. Uh, Shake Shack, not, but uh, uh, they're all very respectable businesses. So to be compared with them, you know, that makes me proud. It really does, because I, I think highly of what they do. But. Uh, um, you know, we are, I think of us as, as, a, as a little guy. I do, even though we have 632 restaurants open today, I still will always think of us as this little guy, the, the little guy that, that does whatever it takes, never says stop, never says stop. Get knocked down, you get back up again. You know, that's how I think of us, and that's how we started. You know, we started as an independent. Uh, with our first restaurant and our first three restaurants, and then we, we did the franchising thing in 1987 or 88, and uh, I failed. Failed with our first franchising experience. I said I'd never do it again. And uh, I did. Um, 1990, we opened our first successful franchise well, restaurant. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna let you breeze through the story that quickly, that okay. easily. But uh, go ahead. Let's, let's start at the I'm very, not sure I answered your question. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, you know there, there was a very beginning. Right? There yeah. was a very, very beginning. Um, I Love Lucy premieres on TV, and Craig Culver is born. Right? 
into a family of risk takers, into a family of entrepreneurs? My father, not my mother. My mother was born on a dairy farm in, in uh, central Wisconsin, one of 13 children. I swear my mom has the first, my parents are both deceased now, but uh, I swear my mom had the first dollar she ever made. That she ever made. But dad was a risk taker. Yeah. Dad was an entrepreneur. That's, and that's the way I define entrepreneurism, as somebody willing to take you know, a calculated risk, not just a risk, but a calculated risk. And, and they, they don't believe they can fail. They just don't believe it. They, they don't necessarily see all the pitfalls out there that are gonna stop them. They just, they see this thing and they're gonna go. And that was my father. And of course, mom and dad together were like this, because they were a team. Mm -hmm. They were a team as, as you know, a family, and they were a team as, as uh, in business as well. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a little, I'm a mix of both of them. I'm probably not the entrepreneur that my father was. Um, I developed that over time, uh, but uh, probably not as uh, much of a risk taker as my dad mm -hmm. was. So when you're working in the family restaurant, so the family buys a restaurant, 1961, right? They open an A&W. Yeah. Um, you're just a kid and you're, you're working behind the counter illegally, I might mention. Uh, right. You know, this is, this is, it's gotta be terrible. It's gotta be the worst thing ever. It's, you know, working in the parents' business. You probably used to love hamburgers and cheeseburgers, but now you've got to eat them every day because it's what- Oh, I'm darn it's tough, you know. <laughs> so, you know, tell me about going from working for your parents, watching them work so hard. And you know, you're, you're quoted as saying, I had no clue what my dream was, but my dream did not include the restaurant business. So somehow you went from flipping burgers for your parents mm -hmm. uh, to having this crazy idea that you're gonna buy back, first of all, buy back a restaurant that the family had sold. That's right. Try it again, sell it. <laughs> again, yeah. Get recover back the restaurant and start Culver's. What happened? What was well, the shift? Growing up in the business with my family, uh, I watched my parents work so darn hard. I did. Early in the morning to late at night. It's, mu it's much like farming. You know, it's seven days a week. It's early in the morning, late at night. And I watched my family doing that. And, and I, was, I was part of it as well, even as a youngster. Uh, my brother was nine. When we when we opened cult, or the A and W, so that was really illegal. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, I just watched them work so darn hard. And when I finally graduated from college, it took me a little a semester or two longer than most. But but I finally graduated, and at that time, we owned the Farm Kitchen Resort, mm -hmm. just uh, at the north entrance of Devil's Lake State Park. And uh, uh, and Dad saw something in me that I didn't see. I didn't know anything about passion at that time. I'm not sure I ever used the word, as a matter of fact, but Dad saw something in me that, that I didn't even know existed in me. And he asked me, he was failing, or his health was failing. He was going blind. And he didn't think he could operate the farm kitchen uh, on his own. And he asked me to be the general manager of this wonderful place. And I said, no way, Dad, absolutely not. And it's one of the great regrets I have of saying no to my father mm. when this opportunity was plopped right in front of me. And I said, no. 
Well, uh, he said, okay, I'm gonna sell. And I said, fine with me, go ahead. I don't wanna be in this business. And guess what? I went to work for McDonald's. And so I, I've been in the business ever since I was 11 years old. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It, it, I don't know if it's amazing, but I have been in the business ever since. Yeah. And you know what? I love it. Yeah. I do. And I, I love the food aspect of what we do in, in, in a restaurant setting. But the most, the thing I really love is the interaction with the people, whether it's our team members or our guests. I, we have, and this is, this is something I talk about a great deal with our managers and owners of our restaurants, we have the opportunity to make a difference with each and every guest that walks into our restaurant. But we also have the, the opportunity to make a difference with our team members mm -hmm. as well. I like to talk about touching tables. And you know, in the restaurant business, it's literally the host or owner going around the dining room, touching tables and how is everything? Well, I believe you also have to touch tables with your employees as well, with, the, with your team members. And uh, you, if, if you don't take them seriously, if you don't respect them, good luck. So did you learn that uh, while doing or did you learn that working for other folks? You know, uh, my mother was the great example in my life and uh, she was the hostess with the mostess, so to speak. And we've got an award at Culver's a hospitality award and it's named the Ruth and it was Ruth Culver and uh, mom was that great example even though I didn't realize it at the time uh, she was just my mom but when I looked started to grow my career and look back wow she was something I mean not only was she you know when people would walk into our place of business like she was wrapping her arms around them not literally but figuratively she was wrapping her arms around them welcoming them to our place of business. They felt like they were home. And not only, you know, my mom was a beautiful lady and dressed beautifully, and, but that didn't stop her from getting down on the floor, cleaning the floor or toilet or fuss tubs, carrying them back to the kitchen. She, she was a great example, yet I didn't realize it at the time. She was my mom, you know? But I figured it out later on in life. I mm -hmm. said, wow. That was something. And not only was she an example for me, but my brother and sister, but all of our team members at, at the farm kitchen and other businesses, but she was also an example for all the guests visiting mm -hmm. the place because you don't necessarily expect the owner to do these things. And when you see the owner doing these things, wow, you know, that, that's impactful, I believe. And you know, one of the things I tell our managers and owners is, you're always being watched. It's yeah. like you're on stage. You know, really, it's like you're on stage and people are watching. They're walk when you walk down the street somewhere outside of the business and you see a piece of trash, are you picking it up or you're just walking by? Mm -hmm. You know, people notice those little things. They do. And so I've, I've tried to lead by example as well uh, over the many years. And, and it's, been, it's been quite successful. You know, success is a thing that uh, I, I don't talk about a lot because there's always the next day. Yeah. And you always got to keep performing. You, you can never rest on what you did yesterday. You got to keep charging and charging ahead. So that, that begs the question. In, in 84, when you, 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 know, you, you opened the first Culver's, right? Yeah. So first of all, just to give you guys a sense, uh, the business in 84, the first year, did $300,000. If that. 
It lost forty thousand. As, as a matter of fact, let me just cut in here. We did uh, um, July eighteenth was our thirty third anniversary, and I sent a note out to everybody. I think the first day at Culver's when we first opened, I think we did about five hundred dollars. I said, I hope you guys do better than that today. <laughs> but you know, in, in '84, three hundred thousand dollars your first year was not a bad. Not yeah. a bad gig. It, it was, it was bad ever. enough to lose about $100,000. Yeah. There is that. There is that. But when you're, you're, you're opening up this place, uh, you, you brought your parents into the business. You're now married, right? Yeah. You, you're bringing your wife into the business. Tell me what you're telling them to give them an idea, especially your parents. Like, listen, I've got something that's going to make this really different. I, I can foresee 33 years into the future and doing a billion dollars and having more than 600 restaurants. What are you telling them? That wasn't my vision and, at all. Yeah, tell me about. My vision was I, I got to move back to my hometown of Sauk City and Prairie Sac from Madison. And that was thrilling enough. Grow the children there in my, in my hometown and be part of the community, the churches, the schools. That was my vision. And I never dreamt, nor did my father, by the way, that we would fail. Never dreamt it until we got halfway through that first year, yeah. and we were, we were on the edge. We were fortunate enough to have a banker that didn't believe in the concept of Culver's, but he believed in us. He believed in the Culver family because he knew us. He'd, he'd seen us do what we had done before with other businesses and stuff. So we were, without, without that banker, I don't know if we would have got to the next year. Wow. So, but I'm curious, you know, you, you don't have the idea that you could fail, but you haven't defined what you thought success was, what you thought the, the grand vision. Is it providing for your family, living near your parents, uh, you know, that being was, a work-a-day guy? Yeah, that was success to me. Okay. And, and then uh, um, I pounded it. I mean, it was seven days a week. Mm -hmm. It was... <laughs> I don't know how many hours I worked. I, I don't like people who tell me how many hours they worked. They, you know, if you don't, you're telling me that, then you probably don't like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I did start to think, well, how can, I, how can I grow this thing so I don't necessarily have to be there every hour of the day? And I was- We call a, that scaling. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I, was, I was terrible at empowering other people. I had to make every decision. I did, I because I didn't want anybody else to make a mistake. So in 87, we opened a second restaurant in Reesburg, Wisconsin. Well, I still thought I could make every decision. I, you can't be in two places at the same time. And that was a great lesson for me. I had to let go a little bit and empower some people that I thought could handle this. Mm -hmm. And what I found out was uh, when you do empower other people um, and they do make mistakes, they correct them. And they grow because of their mistakes. And they grow because of overcoming challenges along the way. I didn't get that before. I just was going to do everything because I didn't want them to make the same dumb mistakes I had made. So, mm. so, so tell me about the very beginnings of franchising. You know, someone approaches you with a with an offer and you take them up on it um, and well, it doesn't go well. Well, and that's exactly what happened with our very first franchising experience. Um, I'm not going to mention the community because it failed. Um, one year after opening, uh, 
I was so naive about franchising at that time. And um, Dad and I, we were so giddy about our first franchise experience uh, that uh, we decided to give it away. We didn't charge the franchise fee, which was $13,500 at that time. Yeah. It's been $55,000 now for a long time. But uh, uh, we decided, let's not charge them. It's our first one. That's a mistake. There's no value to something you didn't pay for. And, and uh, so one year after opening the very first franchise, we got a letter in the mail from his attorney saying, my, my client doesn't want to be part of this story any longer. And we put so much blood, sweat, and tears into opening that mm -hmm. first franchise restaurant. And, and it was successful as well. But then we get this letter, and I said, man, it's not worth it. So we hire the attorney as well. We negotiate out of the deal. He's got to take his sign down, change the building a little bit. Menu's got to change, of course. And, and I said, after that event, I'm never going to franchise again. Well, I did. Uh, <laughs> I did. And, but it, it took some time to, to heal. It did. It took some time to heal. And that's, a, that's one of the wonderful things about time, by the way. It does, it does heal some wounds. It lets, uh, you, it lets you forget a little bit. Yeah. You know, by the end of our conversation, one of the things I'm really hoping is to identify the, uh, the thing beyond the DNA, right? So there's certainly something in the DNA, in the Culver blood. I mean, you've got a brother who's done okay for himself, too, right? Uh, There's no competition there at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, the brother, uh, Kurt Culver, it, it's actually interesting. If you, if you Google Culver's, what you get is just page upon page of just these guys talking trash about one another and their competition. Well, he's they, terrible when he's talking about me. <laughs> I'm the nice guy. There you go. There you go. So, so I want to understand beyond the DNA, um, what, what is that thing in you that makes you want to grow? You know, you've done something wholly unnatural, but you've done it fantastically well. You, you started in the family business. You said, I don't want to do this. I'm never going to do this. And then you go and do it. Yeah. And you say, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where we are. And then you start growing. And then you grow up quite a bit. You know, in, in, in 1993, there were 14 restaurants. They founded in 84. In 93, there's 14 restaurants. And then you said, wait, no, I can, I can keep doing this. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what happened in 93 when we opened those restaurants. Uh, we, we were growing faster than we could handle it. Talk about and, it. And uh, uh, growth is a great thing unless you're growing too rapidly and not, not being able to handle We didn't have the infrastructure, meaning the people. And uh, so I made the decision, we're going to stop franchising for one year to grow the infrastructure in our company. And uh, we did that. And what I found out, it was one of the greatest marketing tools for growing the franchise because when you tell somebody they can't have a franchise, they want it even more. And so we had people lined up, ready to sign franchises when we reopened it one year later. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and But we had grown the infrastructure and stuff. and and. We've continued to do that over the years. And one of the great lessons, again, I, I go back to mom and dad a lot. One of the, because what they did was remarkable as well in, in my mind. And 
One of the things they were so good at was surrounding themselves with the right people. Mm. People um, that were talented, sure, but most importantly, people with a heart. People that know how to say please and thank you and my pleasure and mean it. You know, if you don't mean it when you say those words, then it's almost, it's almost, well, it's awful. You know, it's fake. Uh, Mom and Dad found those right team members, uh, whether it was the A&W, the farm kitchen, or whatever business we had. Uh, and, and I keep going back to that. And mm -hmm. uh, again, I tell that story to all of our, all of our people uh, all the time and how important it is that we continue to surround ourselves with the right people on the team. Talent and heart, I think that's, yeah. that's, that's the right yeah, combination. Obviously, they gotta be talented, but if they don't have the heart, then that, mm -hmm. in my opinion, that talent is, can go someplace else. Mm -hmm. So when you transition from being an, an operator, you know, in your chief role, when you might be doing burgers, making, yeah. making sandwiches and uh, shakes, to a franchiser, uh, your responsibilities, your problem sets changed dramatically. But I, didn't, but I didn't give up on the restaurant either. Yeah. I mean, the, um, I, again, I'll go back to being that example. They, they don't necessarily expect you know, somebody in that role to get behind the grill mm -hmm. or to be out in front. I still do it yet today. I, I still get behind the counter and such and, and work with the team. Twice last week, I was in the sock restaurant uh, working behind the counter and such. I, I just, uh, that's who the Culver family is. That's what we were. You know, when we go back uh, with McDonald's, when I worked for McDonald's, I worked for them for four years, learned a lot, kind of got my business degree from them, mm -hmm. learned all about the numbers, which working with the family, I didn't know about the numbers necessarily. I don't re remember any income statements, monthly income statements or anything like that. Well, McDonald's was a different story. But working with the family, it was all about being on the floor, taking care of our team members and our guests. I wasn't running around with a clipboard at all. Uh, and nothing wrong with that, but that just wasn't who we were. And we were successful even without running a clip, having a clipboard in hand. But again, the McDonald's people, uh, they had to know the numbers and I was, I was, Learned how to give you, them to them. You learned how to do that. So at your core, and, and by the way, please do let me know if you have questions. At your core, uh, are you a financial mind? Are you a marketing mind? Or are you an operator? I would, well, I'm, I'm some of each of those. Mm -hmm. I, I think you have to be, but I think I'm more of a marketing and operator is, is, is what I am. I, but uh, the numbers are very, 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 very important as well. Yeah, the numbers um, are wildly important. Yeah. So I love the marketing aspect of our business, uh, but I love operations as well. And, uh, you know, right now, our new CEO, Joe Koss, who's been with us for 20 years, he was a CFO for us for many years, and he is now the CEO. It's the first time we've had a, a CEO that was not an operator. Mm -hmm. you know, Phil Kaiser, our past CEO, Phil was an operations guy. I certainly was as well. Um, uh, but so a little, little different mindset mm -hmm. at Culver's than, than where we were in the past. Than where you were in the past. Yeah. Uh, I see a question from the audience. Uh, you talked about your marketing mind, and I just saw your commercial with Pale Sheriff. Can you 
you know, it wasn't my idea to ask Kyle to be part of it, but uh, it was our ad agency, Heaving Out of Madison, who's a wonderful agency, by the way. They, you know, we've had the, we've had the Minneapolis agency, we've had the Chicago agency. Heaving gets us. They're they're from our area. They know who we are, and uh, they they just really get who we are. And I I love what what they do for us. So it was really their thought to bring Kyle in. You know, we've done a, a lot of other uh, folks as well, uh, but generally suppliers of ours is who we've used. But uh, we had uh, Tori uh, from a famous Madison chef uh, in as well. And uh, I'm honored that they, they're willing to do it, as a matter of fact, because, you know, we're a hamburger chain. Uh, I think a darn good one, but, uh, <laughs> But, uh, uh, you know, they got to look at their reputation and could they be hurt by something like that? And uh, I don't think they are at all. I, I, I sure don't think so, but uh, that's how that came about. I'm, I'm just curious when you're traveling uh, and you, I know you play a lot of golf with your brother. If and when you meet a stranger who doesn't happen to know your name mm -hmm. and they say, oh, what do you do? What do you say? I'm in the restaurant business. That's all you say? That's what I say, yeah. Unless it goes further, and, but I'm not gonna just spout off. Yeah, well, you know, I did, a, did over a billion last year. Just got a few places, about 600. Um, <laughs> right? So, so I found something very interesting. Uh, you guys were growing seven times the rate of other restaurants in your industry, or other shops in your industry. You uh, operate with a margin of 10.5, um, which is better than essentially everyone except for the big M. Um, and you're doing better volume per store than McDonald's. Mm, I'm not sure of that because they're open many, many, many more hours than we are. I think they're around 2.5 is where they are, a million in sales, and we're at about 2.3, but we're open from no breakfast, and mm -hmm. we're open 10 to, basically 10 to 10. So per hour, yes, we do more sales than they do. I, I, so I find this fascinating because, you know, running the business as you, as you do, uh, at this scale relates to running a restaurant, running three restaurants, in no way. <laughs> this, is a, this is an altogether different enterprise. What was your journey learning how to do the business at, at, that, at that level? You know, you learn as you go. Yeah. Uh, really, and, and you make mistakes along. Just like I said, you learn from your mistakes, and trust me, I've made enough of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've I brought in, I, I'm still an entrepreneur. I'm still a, a risk taker. I'm, I've brought in products into Culver's. Uh, you know, today we test things to death before we bring them into the restaurants. And that bugs me. I, you know, I see something good, let's go with it. Yeah. What are we waiting for? I still have that mindset. And it, uh, it, it bothers some of, the, mm -hmm. some of the team members uh, on staff and stuff. But, uh, that's just who I am, and I don't want to. I don't want us to lose that uh, that entrepreneurism, that risk taking. Uh, 
I, I believe that's, that's very, very important. Again, calculated, but uh, I, I don't want to lose that. You, regardless of where you are in the life cycle of your business, I hope you don't forget about being an entrepreneur, being, taking a risk, you know, taking some chances here and there. You send your franchisees, franchisees through a lot of, of uh, training, a lot of work. Uh, they've got to have half a million in, in yeah. assets. They've, they've got to spend a good amount of money to actually right. open a store. Um, they've got to work for 60 hours. Well, we have what we call a discovery week. Yeah. And that's uh, when somebody's interested in a franchise. Pretty rare in the business. I don't know really anybody else that does this, but somebody's interested in the business. They haven't signed a franchise agreement with us yet. Uh, they are asked to come in and work in one of our restaurants. It's a 60-hour work week. That's what we used to call it. Now we got a fancy name, Discovery Week. Uh, <laughs> they, they come in and work six, 10-hour days. and. Uh, and uh, they're, they're interviewed during that time by our, our team members. And, uh, and then we have to make a decision at the end of the week uh, whether this is good for them or good for us. It's got to be a win-win for both. And uh, if somebody doesn't want to do it, they can walk at any time. Um, How many people walk? Not very many. Very, very few. Yeah. But once in a while, it happens. And, it, but that's a good thing mm -hmm. because we certainly don't want to get them into the system and then this isn't what they want to do. So Discovery Week, is a, it's a, it has worked really, really well for us. And, uh, and how often do you find yourself with uh, an aspiring owner who you decide, you know, they don't have the, they don't have the sauce? Well, I, I'm not in that decision. I don't make those decisions any longer, but I used to interview every single person. And I, I'm pretty good at that. Um, I, can, I can measure a heart, I think, in, mm. in, a, in a short period of time. Uh, so, but I, I, our team is also very, very good at it, too. So you, you said something very interesting, though. In this room, there's a number of owners, mm -hmm. um, and there's a consistent theme that you, you keep bringing up, which is the people component, yeah. right? Surrounding yourself with people of talent and heart. So I'm, I'm going to challenge you, if you can, to share with us a question uh, or a tactic for really assessing talent and heart in a, in, in a meeting. Is there something that you like to do or say that? You know, um, I'm on the board of Quick Trip, and uh, a wonderful company, by the way. and. Uh, I think they're going to be coming into Milwaukee in a little bigger, bigger way, uh, buying PDQ. But uh, um, not something that I've necessarily done, but something they do when they're interviewing their team members for, for a new hire. And they, they will ask, well, tell me about something that you've made a difference in mm. in the last two weeks or three weeks. or. Tell me about something good that you've done in the past. And you know, some questions like that. And gosh, if somebody can't answer that question in, in, in a positive way, uh, it's probably somebody you don't, you don't necessarily <laughs> want in your, that's measuring heart is what it is. But I, I just feel I can get a good read on a person just by, just by a, 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 a general conversation. I love it. So just to support that, as much as we'd like to think it's all about the food, our business is really about people. It is. Um, which I really, 
Please, we've got another question. Great. Yes, I do. I sure do. And I grew up working there. I didn't start my legal career quite as young as you, but I would say it wasn't long after uh, in terms of uh, what age I was. But I, I think I hosted for several years, and so you meet hundreds of customers every week. You get a big fish fry on Friday night. Yes, you And as you know, and, uh, and I've been to your original restaurant, too. That's the first place actually I ate at Culver's was at, at uh, the original. I, I'm wondering what you would, when we talk about changes to the economy, the service Mm. Or who was at it as a server for a couple of years? I pull that resume because I know they know how to work. Yeah, and, I, and that's a general rule. You know more than anything. People say the same thing about farming. Yeah, and farming. Mm -hmm. yeah. They do. Yeah, yeah. You got to put the hours in. Yeah, and you know we all we talk about the service economy and the growth of that and things like that, and, and uh, probably harder sometimes to get folks and do restaurant work sometimes because because it, it is tough. And yet I go into your places. I travel the state a fair bit, and Consistently at every single restaurant, uh, the employees are are great. They're very good with customers. I kind of don't feel once I get past ordering that I'm in a fast food restaurant, and it, which I assume is what you're driving for. And I, I'm really you know, it isn't what we're driving for. You know, but yeah, I oh yes, because I, mean. I, cause I uh, we're if we are a fast food. Restaurant. We are the slowest fast food restaurant <laughs> in the world, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I am okay with because. Well, thank you. Well, those people that you're talking about in our, in our restaurants, uh, we won't have those positive people if we don't have positive leadership. Mm. It's always a reflection of leadership, always. Uh, I, 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 I've got a degree in biology, in the sciences of all things, not business, not hospitality, but in the science world, positive attracts negative, not in the people world. Positive attracts positive in the people world, and if we don't have positive leadership, um, then good things won't happen. And that's, uh, that's why we do what we do. Uh, and we have the reputation to attract positive people. And, um, and that's why we do turn some people away, because we don't think uh, that it'll be good for them or for us in the long run. The last thing we want is a failure. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't, want, we, we don't want somebody to fail. No way. And, and fortunately, we've had only a couple out of all those restaurants that we've that have failed over the years. And generally, we bought that restaurant and turned it into something good and unfailed it. And unfailed it, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. I was uh, curious. Craig. Training. Did you just call me Kurt? <laughs> she called me Kurt. I was curious about training. I worked for McDonald's in the late 80s. Did you? And, uh, yeah. Actually, no, I take back in the late 70s is when I worked for them. And I, was, I went to Hamburger Dean 
they Me were too. doing leadership development, they were doing transactional analysis training with our managers then, Fred Turner was the CEO. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about that type of um, level of, of training and development, and what do you do within your own restaurant? Well, training is key. I mean, first of all, we got to attract the right people, and then we got to train those right people. And so in our case, uh, with, uh, with franchisees, when they go through training, after they've gotten through that discovery week and, and we've, uh, um, we've decided we're going to sign a franchise, both parties have said yes, that a franchise will be signed. And then they go, we have three classes a year. Um, we just graduated a class last week, as a matter of fact. Then uh, um, they go through 17 weeks of training with us. 12, I'm sorry, 16 plus the discovery week. 12 weeks in the stores and in the classroom in our family-owned restaurants. And then they uh, will open two restaurants after they get done with the 12 weeks with us. And so then they're, you know, in our restaurants, they're all trained people they're working with. Uh, but when they go out to open a new restaurant, that's a different feeling for them. And, and they all come back, well, when I open my restaurant, we're not going to do it that way. And, and, then, and then they open their restaurant, and they do it that way, you know. Uh, but so they get a lot of training. Uh, going back, to, I, I hate to go back to my parents all the time, but I think it's important. When my dad first bought the A&W in 1961, um, there was no training like this whatsoever. They bought it. The guy they bought it from was supposed to stay on for two weeks training with them. He never showed up. So uh, they figured it out anyway. But uh, that training aspect, and it can't stop. Even though you know we've got an operator that's gone through 16 weeks of training and finally opened his door, it's, it still takes a year, at least a year, of history behind that operator uh, after the store is open to really get his or her feet planted solidly on the ground. But then we've got ongoing workshops all the time as well. We've got a lot of face-to-face -face time. We meet quarterly with all the restaurants in, in different market meetings. Uh, you know, FaceTime is, is something I talk about a great deal as well. You can spend as much time on your phone and stuff as you wish, but there's nothing that replaces FaceTime. Mm -hmm. Nothing replaces looking somebody square in the eyes and having a conversation. And uh, so the training, th uh, yesterday I, we've got a management workshop going for three days. And it's an it's a entry level for managers. And I always speak to them uh, on the first day and uh, talk about our history and where we've been, where we're going, and things like that. Um, we've got something going on at, the, uh, at, at our uh, support center all the time with, with training. So, Training is very, very key. That's what I'm trying to tell you, and you know it already. By the way, you were with McDonald's in the glory years, when Ted Turner was there and stuff. I mean, great, a great man. Yeah, I, I, I have to Thank go you. in something of an order. A uh, trend I've noticed recently with uh, McDonald's and to a lesser extent Burger King is uh, some of the transitioning to the uh, automated kiosks. Yeah. Some, to some degree, to defray um, labor. increasing labor costs. I mean, do you see an environment where you might have to go that route? We have tried that in the past, not to, not to uh, 
get rid of uh, employees, but it didn't work for us. And this was six, seven years ago when we first tried it in our Middleton restaurant and I think one other restaurant. And uh, see, I'm a hospitality guy. I love, I was just talking about face-to-face -face time. I love that. I, I don't want to see that go away. We will look at things as, as, as far as mobile ordering and some things like that. I think we have to because that, that world is, you know, it's changing. It really is. And I think we have to uh, be competitive there. But I don't want to lose looking somebody in the eye and taking their order and saying thank you to them. I just don't want to do that. And um, however, I'm not in charge any longer. So, uh, but that's still my mindset. It still is. Your name's still on the sign. So. Yes, it is. Yeah. No. You've done a great job exporting Wisconsin. Yeah. Custard and cheese curds. And people, by the way. <laughs> Twenty years ago, I'd be down in Florida. You'd never see a custard place, and I'd ask no. people about it. They didn't know about it, and you really didn't think about it. But now you're there. Was there trepidation in taking Wisconsin out of Wisconsin for success? And then, what do you attribute that success to? You're first to market in a lot of these places with your unique products. Yes, we are. Uh, the first store uh, out of the state was. Uh, just outside of Minneapolis and Buffalo, Minnesota. Um, and you know what? It worked. And then the next one was Rockford, Illinois, or Roscoe, actually, uh, was the next one out of state. And, uh, and it worked. And what I t tell our people is, though, caution them, just because we put that blue sign out there doesn't guarantee you anything. What the guarantee is if you're taking care of your operation, you're taking care of your team, you're leading your team. That's the guarantee. If we're doing that, then I believe we're going to be successful no matter where we are. However, our philosophy on growth has been to grow contiguously like this. So not just, okay, let's put one in California. Let's, hey, we should have one in Hawaii or we should have one in Alaska. Let's go to New York. No. We grow like this, so we take the brand along with us rather than just jumping some long ways away. I did that. I, I, uh, 21 years ago, I jumped to Texas. What was I thinking? I jumped across a whole bunch of states. Uh, my sister, who was living in Texas, she wanted a store in the Dallas area, and I, and I had another gentleman, formerly from Chicago, that was, wanted to put one in Austin. I said, well, geez, two stores? Hey, how can I go wrong? Well, I forgot how big Texas is. Mm. <laughs> and, and still, Texas has been hard to grow for us. We still only have 12 restaurants in Texas. It could handle 500 restaurants, probably. Uh, but uh, hopefully we get there at, at some point. But uh, uh, yeah, um, I, I believe if we grow it with the right people and we take our brand along with us, Strong chance that we're going to be successful at it. Very strong chance. We can take one more question, and we'll have some time after as well. Please, Mark. Well, I have a question. It's uh, probably on a little larger scale than specifically with the restaurants and operating. But um, most of the people in here know that there is particularly one organization that rates Wisconsin last every year with regard to startups and young companies and bringing them through. What do you, 
what do you attribute some of those difficulties to, and what would some of your recommendations be on, on that statewide political business, just all that level, to help a leg up for startups? Well, we're between between two behemoths, Chicago and Minneapolis, and where's the money spent? It's spent in Minneapolis and it's spent in Chicago area, uh, so we lose out on some of that. But things are. I believe things are changing. I, I do. I, uh, your city here in, in Milwaukee, I've seen so many wonderful things happening over the last 10 years. Some really good, right here, this building, or, or the, these different buildings around here, the Iron Horse uh, Hotel and different places like that. You've got some big condo centers going up in downtown and uh, Anima, uh, North, North NML. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, NML. They've done a, a, a bunch of wonderful things. You got a lot of positive things going on. And Madison does too. And, you know, the food scene, the food scene in Milwaukee. Milwaukee has always been a great, the, great for the food scene. Uh, but what's happening to those old German restaurants? You know, something, but something else is coming in. And a lot of it, the food scene is wonderful here. And uh, again, the same thing as Madison. So. Don't sell Wisconsin short, is what I'm saying. We're, we're okay. We're, we're probably never gonna keep up with some of those places. We just don't have the population base that, that they do. But we're gonna be okay. And man, I, I'd take a chance on Wisconsin, and I have. I have taken a chance on Wisconsin. I believe in Wisconsin. I believe in our people. I, you know, as we export cheese curds and things like that, when people see those things from Wisconsin, they think quality first. That's what they think. And the same thing with our, our people. Uh, we've got, we got a lot of quality here in this state. And, and uh, we got to do everything we can to, to, to continue to grow that. I don't think we have to make any rash decisions or, or do something silly. I, I believe we continue as we go. I, I really do. And I, I think good things will happen. And they are happening as well. You know, I said, when you mentioned exporting different products from Wisconsin, well, we are exporting people as well. I can't tell you how many people from Wisconsin that are now in Florida or Arizona or different places like that. And I, I, I've joked that the governor has sent me a letter saying, hey, quit exporting our people. <laughs> uh, but uh, honestly, we really have. And one of the beautiful things about that, and many of them have worked for us for years they're young people that started with us when they were 15, 16 years old, and now they're owners of their own businesses. And the beauty of that is they take our culture along with them. And, and that's, we benefit so greatly from that. That's what I was gonna say is he talked about products uh, exported to Florida. But actually, and this is when he talked about your advertising company in Madison getting it, it's Wisconsin nice that you're exporting. And yeah. That's, that's when I've gone to Culver's and other states, it's, it's Wisconsin nice, and that you only can get from Wisconsin. So I'm, I'm Minnesota will, will give you an argument on that. <laughs> what do they know, huh? Yeah. So Don't I'm, repeat I said that, okay? <laughs> I've got I'm, a lot of restaurants there. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take, uh, take a, a facilitator's privilege, if you will, and, and wrap, but I have an important question. I'm driving to Detroit today, and uh, I'm certainly going to stop and and eat at Culver's uh, because this conversation has made me hungry. But so, 
Years ago, I, I was in Portofino, Italy, and I was actually participating in a, in a sailing regatta, right? And so I was around a lot of fancy, fancy people, and we're doing exactly what you do in Italy, which is eat a lot of gelato. And it made me think, wow, there should be custard here, there should be, there should be culvers here, you know, thinking in hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. The question is, how do you come up with all these incredible flavors? It's, and when are you going to get there? You know, all the flavors, I mean, we got a hundred and some different flavors that the operators can, can choose from and, and make up their own as, yeah. as well. And, but, you know, I still kind of go a little old-fashioned. I still go back to the basics for me. I love butter pecan, butter brickle, you know, uh, uh, the, the old-fashioned flavors like, like that. Caramel cashew, caramel yeah. pecan, uh, you know, those are the ones I... <laughs> All flavors with butter as a main ingredient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never thought about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> there's a theme here. <laughs> so uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. I, I really appreciate your time. Um, what I heard today was a consistent theme around people. Um, around, you know, the phrase talent and heart is something that I'm going to carry with me uh, at least for a little while until I can absorb and, and put it into practice. Um, so please join me in welcoming, uh, not welcoming, in thanking Craig Culver for his time today. <laughs> so as usual, we have just a couple of announcements. You all have uh, evaluation cards, and I'd, I'd hope that you'd fill those out honestly. If you have suggestions for others that you'd like to see participate in this program, please do write them down. Be ambitious, be unrealistic. You'd be surprised who we can bring in, you know, including folks like Craig. So uh, thank you so much. Is there anything that you wanted to say? Yeah, I'm going to throw a plug in for my friend Carl Kopp. Uh, who? Uh, Competitor. Uh, Carl is one of those guys. If any of you, prop, some of you probably know him. He's in Elsa's or one of the, his restaurants. And here's a guy that believes in quality. Yeah. And uh, a great competitor uh, on the custard side. And, but here's a guy that puts his apron on and he's out there in the dining room uh, cleaning tables and doing whatever. Uh, kind of reminds me of my mother in, in many ways. And, uh, uh, but uh, Carl's, you know, his influence on me um, with the custard, uh, he was, you know, he, he was important to me. He was a mentor, so to speak. And uh, how I really got interested in custard, though, was uh, going to Leon's in uh, Oshkosh, where I went to school. Of course, there's Leon's in 87th in Oklahoma. I know right where it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. Leon's in Oshkosh is how I really got hooked on frozen custard. This stuff was so darn good. Mm -hmm. and so years later, I finally did it. So. Can you get Bobby walking up to Leon's now? Somebody take your picture. Well, Franz there, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know Ron Schneider? Ron Schneider, he's the owner of the Yeah, we, we know of Ron. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then we'll make an invitation right now. If we can get Carl to participate in this. Oh, would and, love and to I, have I don't sitting. know if he would, because Carl is, uh, um, he likes to stay to himself, yeah. pretty much. But you, you it, should. Yeah, it yeah. might it might matter who asks him. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss. Yeah. Um, so please do fill out your evaluations, and we'll continue talking after. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody.